When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. So glad to have you each and every Saturday, and I see you guys calling in. Hang on the line. I do want to do a little bit of a segment because I prepared all week for it, thinking about the power of the chair, and I'm not ignoring the clinic, but I really want you to hear the crazy thoughts that go through my head, the connecting the dots of art and sports and surgery. Can you think of a crazier thing than trying to figure out the power of a chair? After I see this chair wheeled into my operating room these last few months to better position my patients to have anesthesia for hip and knee surgery where they're not going to be put to sleep. It's awesome. So at 7.15, it'll be on the podcast, my interview with the company that makes this amazing game changer in the world of medicine. For me, to be able to do a spinal elegantly so the patient doesn't need to go to sleep for this major surgery on their hip or their knee. And I said, okay, they're a chair company. Chair. Where where, where do I think about in art? Chair. Is it a sculptor? Is it a painter? No, this is a radio show, so I want to find music. Chair. Well... Frank Sinatra, that's his nickname, the chairman of the board. Why was he called that, I asked myself. Why did he get that nickname? Because he had mafia friends? No. He got that name because he was an artist who did not want to take crap from anybody anymore. He didn't want to have to make songs because they said so or put out certain albums because someone who wasn't an artist was running the company. So in 1960, Frank Sinatra told the record label, I'm quitting, I'm through with you, which is the fight that Elton John had, that Van Morrison had, that George Michael had. If you're creative, you eventually, I guess, fight with these suits. But Frank Sinatra's a different guy. He said, I'm going to make my own record company, Reprise Records, and he did it in 1960. In the 40s and 50s and 60s, Frank Sinatra was bigger than Elvis Presley and Michael Jackson combined. That's how big of a star he was. He's chairman of the board because he literally is chairman of the board of his own record company. Well, in 1963, Larry King has a tiny little radio show in Miami. And who is his guest? 
Frank Sinatra. How did that happen? How did you get the chairman of the board into your chair to interview him? Well, the biggest name in, in Hollywood living in Florida was Jackie Gleason from the Honeymooners. He did comedy. He did singing. He's a big deal. Listen to Larry King tell the story of how he got the chairman of the board into the chair in front of him for his radio show. So we're at his house one night. Jackie Gleason's house. A few people. And he, the subject of conversation at dinner was before he got drunk. Got drunk late every night. So he didn't want to be there late. But early he was fun. He was very bright. What in your profession is impossible? And we had a doctor there. He said, what's, what's impossible? Impossible in medicine. And the doctor said, this was 1963, about 63, 64. Hang in there. This will get to Frank Sinatra and being a chair and the power of a chair. This is Larry King talking about in 1963 having dinner in Miami with Jackie Gleason. He's also a guy you don't mess around with. They will never make blood in a lab. And they'll do lots of crazy things in life. The world will be, they'll cure diseases, but they will never go into a laboratory and make blood that you can give to someone. You can give transfusions. You can make plasma from blood. You'll never make blood. That's God. That's impossible. He goes right up to me. What's impossible? I said, well, in addition to my television work, I do a local radio show every night from 9 to 12. Larry King's going, you know what's impossible in my life? The doctor said it's impossible to make blood. You know what's impossible in my life? To get Frank Sinatra. I'm a brand new guy in radio. To get the greatest, it's like Mount Rushmore. Talk about South Dakota. Have Mount Rushmore, Frank Sinatra, as a guest on my radio show. On WIOD radio, it's a studio show, guests and phone calls. Frank Sinatra's opening at the Fontainebleau next week. I'd say Frank Sinatra, who was the number one star in the world at this time. Frank Sinatra was Michael Jackson and Elvis Presley rolled into one in 1960. You couldn't get bigger. He avoided the press. Frank Sinatra to do my radio show for three hours <laughs> during the time he's in Miami. And Jackie, I can still see him. You got him. You got him? How am I going to get the chairman of the board in the chair in front of me on my little Fakakta radio station? That's impossible. I said, what? You got him. What night is he dark? I said, they don't work Monday nights. Next Monday, you got him. What? I said, okay, Jackie, I'm going to plug the... Pal, I said you got him. You got him. <laughs> so I go back, and that night on the air, I said, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, next Monday night, oh my Frank God. Sinatra. Wow. The papers are writing up Frank Sinatra to appear on Larry King. Frank now opens at the final booth. The station calls me in on Friday and said, listen, we're preparing a big ad for the Miami Herald for Monday morning. You sure you got him? <laughs> Told me you got him. <laughs> Uh-oh, maybe I don't have him. He said, well, we've called the Fondable a lot, left messages, and he hasn't returned any call for messages. So we don't know that he's coming, and the ad's going to cost a little piece of money. I, I don't know what to tell you. So we said, we'll, we'll run the ad. Uh, maybe I ought to call Jackie. I call uh -oh. Jackie Friday's out on the golf course. <laughs> Gets in later. Yeah, what, pal? 
I said, well, I just want to check. Is Frank, did I tell you he's coming? I got mad. I said, okay, Frank. Okay, Jackie, I'm sorry. Sorry. Oh, I love it. Now it's Monday night. It's five to nine. The whole radio station stayed. The people who worked during the day did not go home, secretaries, anybody, salesmen. Because to, to be in Frank Sinatra's presence was unbelievable. You, you couldn't be bigger. I'm standing, it's 5 to 9, I go on at 5 after 9, right after the news, till 12. Suddenly this limo comes, pulls in, Frank gets out, and this PR guy gets out with him, Jim. This last time, I think it was last time. <laughs> Listen to what happens now. You don't mess with Frank Sinatra, particularly if you're brand new in the radio business with this little tiny radio station show. Five minutes before you go on the air, the limo shows up. Oh, my, this is like Greg Bergman saving the day for me today. Jim comes up the stairs and says, who's Larry King? He says, I don't know how you got him. He says, I get paid not to get him here. I don't know how you got him. And Frank says, who's Larry King? We're all standing there. I go, sheepishly. Okay, let's go. You know, Frank, let's go. I go into the studio. Again, let's go back to my first day on the air. Honesty. Directness. Yeah, so listen to what Larry King does. He's sitting across him in a chair, the chairman of the board, the most powerful man. Instead of saying, hey, he's a good friend of mine, welcoming him. No, Larry King, the reason Larry King was so successful in that chair of his interviewing people is because he is brutally honest. He looks at Frank Stern and goes, what the hell are you doing here? How did I get you? I don't deserve you, the chairman of the board. Good evening. My guest tonight is Frank Sinatra. Why are you here? Now, a lot of guys would have said, my guest tonight is the famous Frank Sinatra. He's here at the Fontainebleau or my old friend Frank Sinatra. None of that. Why are you here? Because the audience has got to wonder how I got him. I don't know how I got him, <laughs> except what Gleason told me. And he says, Frank says, well... Five, six years ago, I'm working Ben Maxick's Town and Country Club in New York. Saturday night, closing night, I got laryngitis. This is a debt that Jackie Gleason has to Frank Sinatra for five years. Think about that. Frank Sinatra's playing this fancy schmancy place in New York. Five years beforehand, gets laryngitis. Let me tell you something. When you're the chairman of the board, people hold those chits, those debts, those IOUs forever. And we've got a packed house. So I call up my friend Jackie. I said, Jackie, would you come over and do an hour for me? I can't sing. Gleason came over, did an hour. I walked him out to his limo when he's leaving. I mm. leaned in. I said, Jackie, I owe you one. I check into town to sing here at the Fonblo. I get a message to call Gleason. Mm. I call up. He answers the phone. I said, Jackie, it's Frank. And all he said was, Frank, this is the one. Mm. And from that development, we did a couple of radios and two television. The last television appearance he did was on Larry King Live. And from that radio show, <laughs> at the end of the show, he says, hey, kid, you're pretty good. Want to come see my show? Can you imagine? That's Larry King talking about the power of the chair, the power of the chairman of the board. When I first started at ESPN 12 years ago, 
I got asked, don't ask me why, to go to a big dinner where Vin Scully was going to be the MC. Security said, nope, nobody gets to talk to Vin as he walks down the red carpet. I don't know from nothing. I ain't getting dressed in a suit. The only suit I like to wear is a wetsuit to go surfing. If you got to put a tie on me, that means something better happen. So I had my suit on, and I'm standing there, and now they're telling me you're not supposed to talk to anybody. Can you imagine someone telling that to me? First thing I did as he got closer with those five big bodyguards, I yell out, Vin, I have regards from Dr. Job. Dr. Job was my teacher. He taught me shoulder surgery. Guess what? I knew that Vin Scully, taking care of the Dodgers for 67 years, well, the doctor for the Dodgers, Frank Job, Tommy John surgery, and everybody else. Vin Scully stopped. Just like Larry King, early in his career, got to talk to Frank Sinatra. Dr. Clapper, in the beginning of my career on radio, got to interview Vin Scully. Greg Bergman and the great Steve Paulette in the archive found it. Coming up next, I want you to hear Vin Scully, the graciousness, the beautiful man that he was to all of us. And the connection, just like I told Paul Sunderland, who called, you're a healer. What you do in the booth is therapy. You just don't realize it. But I'm a doctor. You now are an AAD, also a doctor. The power of sitting in this chair on the radio. That's what you're about to hear. Coming up next, right here on the Weekend Warrior Show on 710 ESPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Weekend Warrior, every Saturday morning from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. On ESPN LA 710. Dedicated to you, the fan who works hard all week and slugs it out on the court, the field, the big box store, and the honey-do list all weekend long. And helping you cope as you come to the realization you're not 19 any longer. Here's board-certified orthopedic surgeon Dr. Robert Clapper. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Welcome back, Come Weekend Warriors. Fly We're flying like we Let's do every Saturday. All of you listeners, you Weekend Warriors on the line, hang there. I'll get to you, I promise. But right now, I want to play 
something special that immediately jumped out. Tuesday night, I was at a big dinner with Sam Pines and the whole Good Karma group and all of my colleagues here at the radio station learning about the future, which is really bright. Thank God these guys took over the station. I'm so honored and blessed to be a part of this station. Love having Greg Bergman here today, saving the day. But that's when, Tuesday night, we learned. John Ireland all of a sudden, oh, my God, my wife just texted me. Vince Scully passed. And as soon as he said that and went on the air with Travis Rogers, and it was awesome to hear Beto Duran and the great stories about Vince Scully, I could not wait to come here on Saturday because I interviewed Vince Scully as a pup, as a brand-new person on radio. And the great Steve Paulette kept it in the archive. God bless you, Steve. I want you to hear me so excited. I can't believe it. I pushed five giant Shaquille O'Neal security guards out of the way. I didn't push him out of the way. Vince Scully pushed him out of the way because I said I have regards for you from Dr. Job. So listen to Vince Scully talking to me early in my career. Doctor, it's my pleasure. I want to ask you a question about the great Dr. Frank Job. He's gone now. Yes. But to my field, he was a giant. In your field, you're a giant. No. What, what ha- how are you able, what's your sixth sense after all these years of calling the games? How have you changed as a broadcaster? Listening to you, you know almost whether the guy's going to have three strikes or four balls, so the story always ends at the right time. Well, I'm very lucky. Sometimes it doesn't. I mean, let's face it. But uh, I, I think I, there's no way that I could be compared to Frank Job. I mean, he was a dear friend, but I mean, I'm uh, splitting infinitives and dangling participles, and he's mending broken bones. That's a big difference. So uh, I, I'm delighted. I was there for his memorial. Uh, he was a, an old pal. So uh, he was my teacher. I was a fellow of his. And you're very fortunate. The gracefulness and the class that he had was just like you in the booth. I re- well, you're very kind to say that. I wish it was true. Uh, good to meet you, <laughs> Doctor, Vince Nice to meet okay, you. Pleasure. Can you imagine? Doctor, nice to meet you. How deflective. You're so great. No, no, no. He could not take it. He wanted us to know that he was one of us. And that story he tells of why he became a broadcaster as a kid crawling underneath the radio. Those things were huge in those days. Like he could feel like he was part of the crowd hearing the announcer. Just like we heard last week where Billy Joel said, I didn't choose music for a profession. Music chose me. In medical school, I have no idea. I knew I wanted to be a surgeon. But I had no idea I was going to do orthopedic surgery. My dad was a carpenter. Yeah, I used he used hammers and drills and saws. I didn't know what orthopedic surgeons were. But I sat in that chair in medical school when the orthopedic surgeon walked in for the very first time in my life and showed an x-ray. It chose me. It, Cupid shot me in the heart with an arrow. It chose me. This is what I'm going to do. That's what happened to Vince Scully when he heard that roar of the crowd on radio. 
and he blessed us for all these years. Whether you're a Dodger fan or not, you're a sports fan, you're a human being fan. That's what we lost this week. He'll always be with us, though, because we're going to keep talking about it. And I'm going to keep playing these sound bites. I'm still going to play Kobe Bryant introducing the show. And I'm going to play Vin Scully as much as I can. And play Chick Hearn every once in a while. That's how they stay alive. For all of us. All right, I'll hold off on the Dan Gurney stuff. I'm going to take calls because the lines are all lit up and I love it. The number is 877-710-ESPN. Let's go to... Let's go to Russ in Northridge. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Yes, sir. Doctor, um, I saw you last week um, regarding my knees and hips, and uh, I thought I had a piriformis syndrome. Do you, do you recall that? I do. Okay. I got an MRI of the pelvis from a back surgeon. I see a lot of a lot of people. Yeah. But um, you're, like, you're like a guy in Florida. What do you do for a living now? Oh, I retired. What do you do now? I just go to doctor's appointments. That's what people do when they retire. It's unbelievable. It's a full-time job. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it turns out I have a uh, – you want me to read the MRI, the impressions? Yes. No? Yes, yes. Okay. Okay, just the first three pertain to this. Uh, partial – Partial tear of the hamstring origin with underlining ischial bone marrow edema. Partial tear of the right hamstring origin is also noted. So, okay, so stop right there. This is what's so – how young are you, Russ? I'm 75. At 75 years old, take the back of your hand, pinch the skin. We can wait for two hours for the skin to flatten. Forget about a half an hour because you're 75. (laughs) But in a 20-year-old, it snaps back into place. When you go to a yoga class or a Pilates class or any kind of stretching that we do as an activity, when you're 20, the elasticity, here's a clapper vision, your hamstring tendon, feel the back of your thigh. That's where the hamstrings are. They are bungee cords. A brand new, out-of-the-package, fresh bungee cord. Well, if you took that bungee cord and you put it in the back of my Toyota pickup truck where I put my surfboard every Sunday to go surfing and left it in the sun, it was 100 degrees every day, do that for 75 years, 365 times 75. How many days is that? A million. It's a lot. In the sun. You know, Guess what that bungee cord looks like? It's a stretched out, cooked piece of schmata drek. These are Yiddish words. That basically is not this snapping elastic thing anymore. So your MRI of the attachment of your biceps femoris, your hamstring, your semitendinosis, semimembranosis tendons that anchor to your ischial tuberosity, which is what that MRI is describing, you're not elastic anymore. So you're doing two things. You're ripping the hell out of the muscle in stretching exercises, and you're bruising the bone where the muscle anchors itself. It hurts. You're not having surgery for it. You're not having an injection. It's not piriformis syndrome. It's pain because of torn muscles. Guess what the best thing you do for this person? 
Make them walk in the pool half an hour, forwards and backwards. You, you, you got the book I wrote memorized already. And I would tell you, get a pair of those Lycra bicycle shorts. Wear them under your slacks, even with 100-degree heat. The squeeze, what do they call Lululemon or whatever they call it, Sp- Spanx, that's what they call them. These, like, tights, like a ballet. Wear that underneath your pants. That squeeze, that compression will make that muscle tear feel so much better, will make that attachment of the hamstring on your ischium feel that much better. That's what you're going to do. No shots, no surgery, get in the pool, all right? Do you think it can heal? It will heal. Not think. It will heal. You're talking to a guy who sees 100 patients a week, who's done over 16,000 surgeries. 33 years I've been an orthopedic surgeon. You know what I think? I think how much taxes do I have to pay? How much gasoline do I have in my car? This is what I think. But when you ask me what happens to a 75-year-old hamstring, I don't do think. I know. Great. Thank you, doctor. All right, Russ. God bless you. Have a good day today. All right, let's take one more call. Let's go to TJ in Laguna. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Um, I have a friend of mine who has... um, First of all, what does TJ um, stand for? Thomas James Michael Hall the third. Wow, I would be called TJ too if I yeah. had all those names. You're you're right about that. Yeah. I get it. Okay. How young are you? What do you do for a living? Seventy four. My doctor of chiropractic. Get out of here. Love that. I've I, gone a Getty with you once before. I I will tell you, the greatest joy I get is thinking back on my father, the carpenter, whose back was constantly going out because he was schlepping. 80-pound sacks of roofing material up a ladder, and he'd come home, and he'd ask my mother, you know, in Japan, they have geisha girls. They walk on my back. They walk on the back, and there's like a deep tissue massage. He's looking at my mother, this Jewish lady from Far Rockaway. You know, I I can't find a Japanese geisha girl. Maybe you should walk on my back. Okay. My mother, my father lies on his stomach in the living room, and my mother starts walking on his back. Trust me, she didn't take any geisha girl lessons. She just started walking on his back, and I'm hearing breaks and cracks like you can't believe and i'm saying to myself there's no way this can work and i'll never forget my father gets up off the floor he looks at my mother goes you know i think you made me feel better but the other person that helped my father be physical as a working man his whole life was a chiropractor so it's my honor and pleasure to be able to help you tj what did you do to yourself how can i help well it's a friend of mine she's 60 i put her in a rest home and she has a less, um, God, how do you pronounce it? Liz Frank. Uh, the fracture. Yes. You know, what a li- you know who Liz Frank was? Yeah. He was one of the generals for Napoleon's army. Why the hell do I have a fracture yeah. named after a general from Napoleon's army in the 1800s? You know why? Because when you ride horses, I'm Jewish and I'm from New York. We don't ride horses. But when you ride horses... The way you ride a horse, you don't just sit like a Native American with a with a blanket on top of the horse because they could ride bareback. No, you actually have a saddle and you have these stirrups and you put your foot in the stirrup so that the horse doesn't throw you off uh, its back, which, of course, it probably wants to do. Can you imagine these poor horses that with the horseback riding? They go, I got to carry this fat Jewish guy around for another two hours. If only those horses could talk. We need Mr. Ed back in our life. But anyway, to keep you from falling off the horse, they have these metal rings, stirrups. You stick your feet in them. And particularly if you're in a battle and you're with Napoleon, you're really going fast. Well, when you finally get thrown off the horse because the horse gets shot or killed or goes in a gopher hole or God knows what happens, 
as you fly off the horse, your foot is in the stirrup. Well, that's surrounding the mid-portion of your foot. When you got thrown, you break the bones in the mid-portion of your foot. And this is what happened to General Liss Frank in Napoleon's army. And in those days, there's no x-rays. They just called it after him because they opened up his foot. We have to do a lot of complicated things. Pins, plates, screws. Sometimes you need a fusion of the midfoot. It's one of the most painful. And the one thing I will teach the weekend warriors, if you have pain in your midfoot after an injury and you go to the ER or urgent care and they say, good news, your x-rays are negative, but your foot is black and blue and it still hurts, you better worry that you have a Lisfranc injury, torn ligaments, that negative x-ray, you better get an MRI of that midfoot and go see a good foot and ankle person, someone at Cedars like Timothy Charlton or uh, Max Mahalski or David Thordeson because they are terrible. The worst diagnosis, and you know where we see this a lot, TJ? In football players. These offensive and defensive linemen, they get Lisfranc fractures all the time they plant their foot. They now get thrown, tackled. Their foot stays planted, and they rip the ligaments in the mid-portion of their foot. It is a career-ending injury that sometimes has a negative normal X-ray. So this is not something to fool around with. If there's a Lisfranc fracture or injury, you better get an all-star foot and ankle person to take a look. That's my advice, TJ. I'm going I'm to go a little bit more. We had the X-ray taken. It was negative. Then there I you go. Are you okay, you're just telling me what I'm telling you. They need an MRI. Found it. So we did that, and then she had surgery done, uh, two plates, seven screws. Okay. And she kept having problems. So when I talked to the doctor, he did a great job, looks beautiful, and I worked with your orthopedic surgeon, and um, uh, looked great. And then she started having reaction. So I said, did you test her for titanium? He said, She's not allergic to titanium. I said, did you test her? No, I did not. So we tested her. I sent her out for allergy testing. Came back positive. Mm. Now you see the problem. You got to take the plates and, and screws so, out. And you could still do a, you, you could still do a and, fusion and without having to put hardware in. Very scientifically, he removed the metal. Yeah. Okay. But she said the auto, re, auto response to the allergy in her body. Not anymore. And not what's the to... if you have an allergy and they take the metal out, that's uh that's not true. Don't d- listen, what you said so far is right, but when you say something that's not right, I'm going to tell you as well. And I'm co- and I'm up against the clock right now. TJ, God bless you. Thank you for calling and thanks for taking such good care of that person. All right, warriors, coming up next, I may take some more calls, but I really want to talk about the power of a chair in the world of sports. He's from originally from Southern California. He's a giant in the field of auto racing, and his name was Dan Gurney. You need to hear about the power of the chair in sports. I'll take some calls as well. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
This is Kobe Bryant. The best entertainer. Forget going to the movies. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. So the Clapper was looking at the flapper. Can you imagine how cool that was? Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Beautiful. Simon and Garfunkel. All right, let's get into it. The chair, the power of a chair. Frank Sinatra, the chairman of the board, because he was one tough son of a gun, telling us how we should live our lives. And mostly how he wants to live his life as an artist, starting his own record company. The power of a chair in my world of surgery. Getting a person to sit up properly, bend over properly, so that the anesthetic can be placed in the spine properly, so you don't have to have general anesthesia, which is what inspired today's topic. But I love the world of sports, and I thought long and hard about the most powerful chair is the one with four wheels in an Indy race car, and the first man to get those cars to go over 200 miles an hour, 1971, was Dan Gurney. He not only was a race car driver, but he also retired and then went into the field of building cars, building the chair to go the fastest in a race. Here's an interview with the great Dan Gurney. Dan, you just you just retired not long before that. Did that make you wish, man, I wish I'd have stuck around to go to an I mean, when you think about when you started racing and what the speeds were uh, to get to that. I drove it once uh, at, the, at Ontario. Bobby says, boss, you got to get in this. I can feel it. Uh, okay, so I did. I got in. And, and it, it, you know how you feel a good road car when you in second gear, it can accelerate pretty good. Well, it felt like about twice that, only it's in a 230-mile-an-hour gear. So, I mean, it really pulled big time. This is such a proud moment in the history of racing. Yeah, it was. I mean, to think, you know, you're back home at night and you're like, we just ran 200 miles an hour, an average speed in an Indy car. Watching your cars succeed and be the fastest, and every one year at Indy, almost everybody had an Eagle. Is that kind of like being a proud pop, watching your kids get older? Uh, I'm sure, uh, yes, if something is achieved by a son or a daughter and or a car that you've sort of spawned, uh, yes, uh, definitely uh, you uh, partake in the achievement, and it, it really means a great deal. I mean, you're, uh, you know, you can shed some tears real easily. Tears of of happiness. That's right. That's Dan Gurney talking about tears of happiness, where every car in the Indy 500 all of a sudden became an eagle, which is the car he designed, the chair that he designed on four wheels. How did Dan Gurney figure out how to drive the car so much faster than everybody else? And I don't mean just a little faster, 13 miles an hour faster. That's the difference between driving 50 and 65 miles an hour practically. That You know as a person just driving your car what a big leap that is. He did it because he 
Well, you'll hear the story. This is his... And again, like Vince Scully, very self-deprecating. But there's a genius in that head of Dan Gurney. Listen to him tell the story of the innovation called the Gurney Flap. This tiny little adjustment he made with a piece of aluminum he found in the trailer and put it on the wing of the IndyCar. And this is the day it happened. Bobby tells a wonderful version of the story. It wasn't just Herbie Horsepower. There was also this little aerodynamic thing uh, that he calls the wicker bill, but he concedes that it's fair to call it the gurney flap since you invented it. And he tells a great story about how that happened. I'd like to hear your version of the same story. How did that day unfold when the gurney flap became perhaps the definitive innovation in aerodynamics? Well, yeah, aw shucks. Listen to this. Phoenix, 100 degrees on a track. Bobby Unser driving a car designed by Dan Gurney. Frustrated because they just can't go faster. Listen to this beautiful story. Bobby was certainly involved. We had been there with Bobby driving for three days in Phoenix on the one mile. And we were not doing competitive times. It was hot. and um, But we were... You know, just throwing everything we could think of at the car, and we were coming up short all the time. Or, uh, and uh, it was probably five o'clock in the afternoon that I was sitting in the in a trailer that we call the car in with a pickup. So he's painting the picture. It's hot. It's miserable. Trying to be in the shade and thinking. And uh, Bobby came up to me and says. Uh, Boss, you're supposed to be able to come up with things all the time. Can't you come up with anything for crying out loud? You know, that kind of thing. And uh, I was busy thinking about all the, the moving with the rear spoiler on, uh, on our sports cars and even at Le Mans. Because and, and, uh, I got I had a pretty sensitive feel for when it was too much and when it wasn't enough. And uh, mm, So his wheels are starting to turn. Frank Sinatra deciding one day, I'm not putting up with this anymore. I'm going to stop my own company and become the most powerful chair. Not on wheels, but in the music business. Anyway, the idea, I thought, well, I wonder if that would work on a wing. A spoiler on the wing, not on the body. And uh, I asked him if uh, we could come up, do we have any Scrap aluminum, you know, we can make a 90-degree bend on it and put pop rivet it on the rear, uh, the trailing edge of the rear wing. And, and uh, yeah, we did. And so about 45 minutes later, we had the first one. So he puts this little piece of aluminum and makes a flap how the wind comes over the top of the car. No big deal. Then he takes the stopwatch and he watches Bobby Unser go around the track. No difference. But something special actually is happening. And Bobby went out and ran on it, and uh, our watch says it wasn't any faster. He, he went maybe five, six laps, came in, and uh, he looks up. He's in the car. He looks up. He says, "Is any you know his helmet on? But is anybody here? What do you mean anybody here? Well, I mean anybody watching us." And, I said, no, we've been here, and nobody's been here all day, you know, and uh, no, not even any Indians up on the hill. And, uh, 
Nobody's around, Bobby Young, sir. Why? You didn't go any faster. And uh, <laughs> I said, how come you're asking that? He said, the back of this car is stuck so tight, I can ma- barely make it turn. So that was the reason his lap time was slower because, you know, it had a gigantic push. But we ended up putting the similar things on the front wing, and all of a sudden we were competitive. Very good. Yeah, competitive. Listen to how much faster he was going. So he didn't want anybody else to see how the car and, was behaving. And the reason for the wicker bill is we thought, well, we don't want to let people know about this thing. And uh, what are we going to call it? We you know, couldn't be calling it a flap, you know. And uh, so that's when wicker bill stepped into the picture, and uh, people didn't know what it was. We still don't know what a wicker bill <laughs> but it got there. And that was a question of hiding it for another six months anyway. To get to Indy. And people would look at that and we say, well, we've made the rear wing so light and it's sort of weak back there. We had to reinforce it. With it. And how much faster was your pole speed that year than the year before? Do you remember? I think it was 13 miles an hour faster. 13 miles an hour. These guys go the fractions of a second to win a race. 13 miles an hour faster. It was not until this week, to putting this show together, did I ever realize what happens to us as a human being when we sit in a chair. It allows us to focus. You're not moving anymore. You're resting. You're not standing still. You're sitting. It's hard to look behind you. You can only look forward. You can dream. You can think about your future. You can plan. And with the right person, you can change the music business. You can change the racing business. And in my world of surgery, you can change the anesthesia business for the better. And it made me think of this guy because he did it first. I did it my That's right. way. He ain't waiting for a banker to tell him what kind of song to sing. I've had a few Frank Sinatra did it in 1960. Three years later, he sells the record company he starts to Warner Brothers. But he's the chairman of the board. He's the chair, the power of the chair in music, because he did it my way. Coming up next, I'll take some calls. The number is 877-710-ESPN. But I want to also tell you a story, the ultimate clapper vision, as it relates to Clayton Kershaw. Why does his back lock up when he's throwing a baseball? And relatable to Vin Scully, because the story comes from the man who taught me shoulder surgery. It's because of Dr. Frank Job that I can tell you why Clayton Kershaw has a back problem as a pitcher. I'll explain Coming up next on the Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Luck 
be a lady tonight. Luck be a lady tonight. Luck if you welcome back, weekend warriors. Luck be a lady tonight. Hope you have some good luck today. But I know I'm going to give a little bit of that luck to you because I'm going to tell you where you can get that fish zuki, the greatest ice cream sundae. Oh, they have this one with Oreo cookies and hot fudge. But what does a fish have to do with it? Don't tell me there's ice cream that tastes like fish. No. But they're so clever because they're near the water. They're on the ocean, literally. This place I'm going to send you to for the fish zuki. And so the genius idea, instead of making the ice cream cone, which is a waffle cone, just a boring tube, they've got a waffle iron that makes it look like a fish with scales. Your kids will love it. You will love it. But why I'm talking about the fish zuki is because you're not eating this standing up. You're going to want to sit down and enjoy it. And they take the cone and they stick it upside down so the tail of the fish is sticking out of it. If you go on Twitter, you'll see a picture I posted of a fish zuki and your mouth will start to water. But you're asking, where can I get that fish zuki? Well, in a second, I'll be telling you because I'm getting close to the end of the segment. But before the segment's out, I do want to do two more things. One, I want to tell you about Clayton Kershaw. And then I need to tell you how excited I am for next week's show. But let's talk about Kershaw. You saw the video. Go on YouTube. He throws a pitch, and then he just stops. He calls for the trainer, comes off the mound, and his comment is, I felt my back locking up. What does the back have to do with throwing a baseball? Isn't it your rotator cuff? Isn't it your shoulder? Well, in 1988, I was a fellow with Dr. Frank Job. He's since passed away, but he was the greatest shoulder surgeon that ever lived, in my opinion. He was the first to lock himself to the unique injuries to baseball players. Dr. Curlin was most interested in all athletes, but Dr. Job was just fascinated by the crazy idea of Sandy Koufax throwing a baseball at over 100 miles an hour. Trust me. I know how the body works. Our body is not designed to do that. You can be tall and strong and dunk a basketball, but to be able to throw a baseball that fast and then you have an injury, you better be careful of what you're fixing versus not fixing because actually you need abnormalities in your elbow and in your shoulder in order to do such a crazy thing. Our body is not designed to do it. So if you're a surgeon who's looking inside someone's shoulder and they are a Major League Baseball player, you better not fix everything you see that's abnormal. This is my good buddy Neil Elitrosh teaching all of us. Because if you fix everything that's abnormal, that pitcher actually will not be able to throw 100 miles an hour anymore. Because some of those abnormalities, tears that you see in the capsule, and in the, they may be necessary for that human being to throw 100 miles an hour. Frank Job was fascinated by this. So he's in Hollywood. We have movie cameras here. 
Frank Job said, hmm, that's a fertile area that I can bring to the understanding of how the body works in medicine. So he met a filmmaker who could use high-speed motion pictures, filming the pitcher on the pitcher's mound. Throwing a ball comes in stages, in phases. We call it the cock-up phase, where you load the arm with the baseball, the wind-up, then you accelerate the baseball, and then guess what? You have to decelerate the arm. These beautiful separate stages, and guess what? Different muscles fire at different times in order to do that. So your rotator cuff, which is living inside your shoulder, we always thought, well, you better have a strong rotator cuff in order to throw the baseball if you're a baseball pitcher. Actually, Frank Job discovered that your rotator cuff has nothing to do with accelerating your arm. How did he do that? Because he was so smart. He took needles, electrodes, and put them in the muscles that surround your shoulder. Feel your arm right now. There's your deltoid on the side. There's your pec major in the front. There's your trapezius in the back. And then deep inside, the subscapularis, the supraspinatus, the infraspinatus, parts of the rotator cuff that move your arm. And he put needles in these different muscles and labeled them. So you could see their activity when they spiked. He then matched up the needles and the electrodes and the firing of the muscles that you could see electronically with the high-speed film of the different phases of throwing the baseball. So he could tell, ah, the rotator cuff, is the supraspinatus is firing now, but it's not firing here. The deltoid is firing. So he matched up the phases of loading the baseball, accelerating, decelerating, and guess what he found? He found that your rotator cuff does not fire in acceleration. It fires in slowing your arm down, in deceleration. But do you know what loads your arm that creates the acceleration that we need? The big muscles that surround the spine. Just like a snake coils, here's a clapper vision, coils to then spring out and bite you. Coiling, like wrapping a string around a top. That coiling gives you the potential energy to then spring out and gives you the power. So when you have back pain, it's because those muscles in the acceleration of throwing the baseball are now in spasm and now injuring, and that's the locked up that he's feeling. So when you go and rehabilitate and do your therapy, Clayton Kershaw, you have to hone in on strengthening the muscles that surround your spine more so than even the rotator cuff. So there's your clap revision for Clayton Kershaw. The fish zuki is at one of the places that I love in L.A., in California, Southern California. It's in Ventura, in the harbor. And get some fish and chips at Andrea's, and then treat yourself and go to Coastal Cone. That's where the fish zuki is. You'll have one of the greatest days of your life. Next week, I'm so excited because my guest is Dr. Danny Bruckner. He's a pediatrician, and he's awesome. And it made me think, hmm, how different medicine is for kids versus it is adults. Where in the world of art, where in the world of sports, 
do you see uniquely what happens in kids versus adults? And I've been thinking about it. Well, on the Dodgers is a player named Cody Bellinger. People don't realize this or know this, but Cody Bellinger was a superstar in the Little League World Series in 2007. Cody Bellinger and his coming up is an unbelievable story of a child, of a pediatric case, becoming an adult. And I'll explain in terms of how he holds the bat, how he hits the bat. It's different in children versus an adult. And what about in the world of art? In 1963 in November, President Kennedy was assassinated. America was in mourning. We were in a funk. What saved the day for this country, and particularly the young people in this country, was on Ed Sullivan, a few months later, February of 1964, the Beatles. But something happened that blew everybody's mind. Uniquely, young, not adults, but young girls became crazy. The demographic of Beatlemania was young girls. Why did that happen? Why did that happen at that time in our country? And what became of girls literally losing their minds? There's been good-looking guys singing with guitars before. What up with Beatlemania? We're going to get into that next week. We're going to talk about the uniqueness of pediatrics with the great Dr. Danny Bruckner. Until next week, I hope I get to have Greg Bergman again. But I don't think so. (laughs) But I can't thank you enough, Greg, for coming in and saving the day. So we got to talk and have a great show about Frank Sinatra and Dan Gurney and Fish Zuki and Paul Sunderland and all the weekend warriors. It was awesome. I have a busy week in surgery. I will tell you all about it. And certainly to go surfing will be certainly the first thing on my mind as I leave the studio here today. So I'm going to leave you all with volare, which means I'm singing and I'm flying, which is what we do each and every Saturday. Thanks for telling your fa- your friends and your family. Until until next week, I'll see you on the radio. Poi d'improvviso venivo dal vento rapito E incominciavo a volare nel cielo 